Turn, please, in the scriptures to the book of James. James chapter 2. And let's release faith, believe for utterance. What we desire is for the Lord to speak to us. We don't just want to hear from uh, men. We want to hear from him. And we want and desire uh, his, the manifesting of his presence, his spirit, and the gifts of his spirit. A lot of things are happening that are not obvious to the casual observer. Uh, gifts of the Spirit are in operation as a, a normal thing. Uh, but just because there's not a drum roll and go, da-da, this is a word of knowledge. Just because it's not announced doesn't mean it didn't happen. And so... Uh, Let's, let's release faith for that. Father, we ask, we agree as touching it. And everybody that is and will be joining us, we ask for utterance and anointing. We ask for the manifestation of the gifts of your Spirit and the moving of your Holy Spirit, the moving of your holy angels, the manifesting of your good and wonderful presence, the light, the unction that teaches, the anointing that makes known, that lets us see, that makes us free. We give you the praise and thank you, and we purpose not to be hearers only, forgetful hearers, but with your help, by your grace, doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Of the Word of God. James 2 and verse 14, we begin some weeks ago on this series we're calling Faith in Action. Faith in Action. James 2.14, he said, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed, be filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? He keeps asking that question, what, pro- what does it profit? We might say, what good does it do? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. So the Bible refers to a kind of faith Uh, that people call having faith, that's actually dead, that produces no results. Well, we don't want faith like that. We want living faith that produces results. Yeah, a man may say, you have faith. I have works. Well, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God? You do well. The devils also believe. And tremble. But will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God, 
And it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified. And not by faith only. Now this verse. Has caused much. Discussion. (laughs) Amongst. Believers, theologians for centuries and centuries. Martin Luther, great champion of uh, justification by faith. God gave him a revelation of that real strong and he he opposed the established religion when it was uh, usually death to do so. And it is said that uh, he had issues with James. <laughs> because the uh, the statement is, are we justified by faith alone? Or here James is saying, you see that how by works a man is justified, not by faith only. And his strong affirmation was, it is by faith alone. By faith alone. The organized church at that time was huge into works. Everything was works, 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 works. And so even today you have some folks that uh, take issue with this. And, and something that's troubling to me, I hear that some folks are saying that, you know, James is not written to us. Doesn't apply to us. Uh, epistles like 1 John are not really to us. I strongly disagree with that. And uh, you start taking passages out, where do you stop? Well, keep that in mind. Back up to the the first chapter uh, of James. Maybe we'll just take just a moment on this. What do you think? Uh, James 1.1 is how some people justify this. And at first glance, it might seem to be that. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And some folks say, well, you see, that that's not even addressed to us. That's addressed to the twelve tribes of Israel. <laughs> it's quiet in here. <laughs> Look at the very next chapter, just a few verses later. 2-1. That was 1-1. This is 2-1. How does he start it off? My brethren, somebody says, well, he might be talking about his Jewish brethren. I don't know that Jesus ever referred to Jewish people as his brethren. I know that throws a wrench in some things. Look and see. More than once he said, these are my mothers, my brothers, our sisters, the one that hear the word of God and do it. When they tried to make a big deal out of his mother and his brothers. <laughs> I'm wading off into it tonight. Eh? <laughs> and folks say, well, you know, uh, he said, inasmuch as you've done this to the least of my brethren, you've done that to me. That means Jewish people. I disagree. I disagree. Other scriptures talk about what I just mentioned to you. He went on to say here, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. My brethren, 
Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ? Is he saying these people have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. He's talking to believers. Jewish believers. Among others. How do you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Galatians 2. Turn over there. Galatians 2. (laughs) Paul, talking about how the Spirit of God saved him, called him, sent him to the Gentiles. Here in Galatians 2.8, he says, He that wrought effectively in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, that's Jewish people. That's preaching the gospel to Jewish people. The same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, when who? James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go to the heathen and they to who? The circumcised. Hebrew. Jewish. But not to tell them they were okay without Jesus. In fact, that's all the early church did was preach salvation and new birth to Jewish people. They had to have a special manifestation of God to preach it to anybody else. Is that right? In the beginning days of the church, the apostles, that was their main thrust, evangelistic to Jewish people. And then God opened it up to everybody, helped them to see this is for everybody. I just said that briefly to say James is to the believer. James' ministry was to Jewish believers and getting Jewish people saved. So don't let somebody tell you this is not for you. Look at James 2.1 again. Look at James 2.1 again. My brethren. Who? Brethren. Brethren. Well, that means Jewish brethren. That's your idea. (laughs) Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Is he talking boldly about Jesus the Lord? And is he referring to them, telling them instruction how they are to have faith in him? So they must be believers like you. And how many know, in Christ, there's neither male, nor female, nor Jew, nor Gentile. Come on, are you listening? There's no difference in how any of us are saved. It's all by faith in Him. It's all about Jesus. Isn't it? It's all about Him. It's all about Him. And it is not okay to reject Him. He is the only salvation. There's no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. He, no man, nobody comes to the Father except by Him. In 1 John it says if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father either. If you have the Son, you have the Father too. There are not many ways to God. There are not many ways to salvation. There is one and one only. Aren't you glad you know him? King of kings, 
Lord of Lords. Jesus. Hallelujah. Is he your Lord? Thank you, Lord. If he's not, change it right now. Right? Bow your knee, bow your heart. Confess him as Lord of your life. Hallelujah. And be glad about it. Go back to James. The Lord's helped me even in recent times on this passage. I believed the scriptures agree. But there will be numerous times when to you it doesn't look like they do. And that doesn't mean there's something wrong with the scriptures. It means there's something wrong with the way you're looking. Well, that just seems to me like that's not right. Well, there's something wrong with your seam, the way it seems to you. That just don't look right to me. Well, there's something wrong with the way you're looking, not something wrong with this. And you hear, I mean, it is a just a regular, widespread, popular thing that professors teach in universities, even in uh, schools of theology. They convince the students that there are discrepancies in the Scripture, that they don't, it doesn't agree, and and there are mistakes. And and so then they try to water it down and go, well, the Bible maybe not is the Word of God. It contains the Word of God. No, 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 no. No, every word is inspired. Hallelujah. God breathed. You know, uh, Phyllis and I were talking about uh, something, noticing, you know, there's so much credit card fraud nowadays. And the companies and the banks have huge problem with identity theft. And uh, so they keep trying to make the cards better. And so they're going to put chips in them now. And so, right? And so they're doing different things. Well, there's only one way to really solve this. And that's to go bio. That's right. What do you mean bio? It has to be something that's in your DNA that can't be copied. Some type of barcode. Doesn't have to be visible, right? right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you don't need cash and you don't need plastic and it can't be duplicated and you can just scan it. Uh-huh. Or maybe when you walk in the store, it scans on your head. <laughs> Does any of this sound familiar? <laughs> and what we, what we were talking about, all those centuries ago, When God showed John in the book of Revelation that there'd come a time you'd have to have a mark in certain one of two certain places. And without that mark, you could not buy and you could not sell. Now, centuries ago, how must people have scratched their head and thought, huh? How what? How could that ever be? That kind of thing to me is proof beyond dispute that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. There's no way he or anybody else could have known that, could have seen that all these centuries before. And that's just one of thousands 
of foretellings and prophecies and predictions and foreshadowings. How could anybody know it has to be the one who knows the end from the beginning? Come on, I hear less than who did speak by inspiration through his prophets. Hallelujah. And his men and women of God. And when he has spoken, though it may seem impossible, it may seem illogical for generations, there'll come a time when everybody goes, well, yeah, that's obvious. To our generation, does it sound far-fetched? It's the next thing, right? You can see it. I'm not getting one. How about you? I'm... No. <laughs> we'll say, well, you won't be able to buy or sell. Well, God will have to take care of me some other way because I'm not getting one. <laughs> Where were we? This is one of those nights, isn't it? We're in James, aren't we? We were talking about how that some have argued and said, well, see there, there's this huge statement that contradicts James what he's saying completely contradicts Romans because Romans goes to great length talking about it's by faith not by works Hmm? by faith alone not by works one phrase I want to call your attention that the Lord called my attention to one phrase it didn't just say works and works means all kind of works Works simply means doings, effort, deeds, that which is done. The Bible talks about the works of the devil. The Bible talks about the wonderful works of God. The Bible talks about good works that we'll be rewarded for. Right? Works of the flesh. And what you don't see James Saying of the Spirit of God through James is works of the law. Oh, come on, can you see that? I can't take credit for that. The Lord showed me that. <laughs> he didn't say we're justified by the works of the law, which is what Romans and Galatians keeps on saying over and over and over and over again. It's the works of doing the law. It's the works of keeping the law. What kind of works is he talking about? He's talking about the works of faith. Not the same thing. The works of faith. Hmm. That's worth us coming to church, right? Right there, don't you think? That's, that's the answer. That's the answer. We're acts, doings, deeds of faith. We're not trying to be justified by keeping the works of the law. But if you really believe something, you'll do it. Right? If you don't believe it enough to act on it, then the faith is not a real living faith. You don't believe it enough. And that's what he's talking about. In fact, in the first chapter of James, uh, we we just got through uh, praying it in the first part of the the service. Go there, please. What was he talking about before he got to chapter 2? In James 1.22. See, this wasn't written in chapter and verse. 
All this is a letter. Flows together. What was he talking about? Be doers of the word. Not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. We're warned not to be deceived by being a hearer and a so-called believer, but not a doer. This is a tactic of the enemy. There is a danger. And our whole generation is uh, groomed toward this. Knowledge focus. And entertainment oriented. And uh, you can know a lot of stuff without doing anything. And you can watch hours and hours of TV and movies or concerts and theater and not do one thing with any of it. And there's a danger in treating the Word of God that way. Coming into church, coming into meetings, reading your Bible just like you read a novel or the newspaper. Coming into service like you come to a concert. Tell me something Interesting. Hmm, okay. I'm going to take a note on that. But sermon after sermon, message after message, chapter after chapter, and do nothing with it. The Bible warns us about this. The Spirit of God cautions us. This is a danger of self-deception. What's the self-deception? The idea, because I know it, I have it. Because I know it, I'm doing something. When we're not. In James 1.22, I'm reading the Weist translation. He says, moreover, keep on becoming doers of the word. It's a continuous tense. Uh, Something we need to keep on. uh, We need to ask ourselves tonight. What am I going to do with this word? How is this going to affect my life? Something I need to stop doing. Something I need to start doing. Something I need to change. Because if we hear and hear and do nothing, we're deceiving ourselves into thinking we're making progress when we're making none. Keep on becoming doers of the word. Stop being hearers only. Reasoning yourselves into a false premise and thus deceiving yourselves. This is what the Spirit of God was talking about when he flowed into the next few verses below it. Faith without action is dead. He's still talking about being a doer. Isn't he? And there is absolutely zero conflict with being justified by faith. There's no conflict. And how many believe... If this is the God-breathed Word of God, there's no conflicts anywhere. There's just ignorance and lack of understanding and people too proud to admit how little they know. And uh, what you do, and I find myself doing this frequently, I'll come across something, I'll stop and go, Lord, I don't see that. I don't understand that. I'm asking you, help me. Show me. 
Show me how this fits with this. You know, maybe to me it looks like they don't agree. But show me. And time after time after time, sometime it's been 10 years after I prayed about that specific thing. And I'm just going down the road and it hits me. I go, ha, well, of course, (laughs) yeah, that agrees perfectly. But for the previous 10 years, it looked like it contradicted each other to my unrenewed mind. And some things, I'm thinking of one thing right now. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to understand that. What, what does that mean? How, how does that work? And, and nothing that I understood or saw any differently for 10 plus years. And then one day I was sitting at my desk doing some other things. Something else, not even to me related. And all at once, he started talking to me about that. And when he did... I saw why. I had to grow to even know what he was talking about. How many know there's a lot of things a three-year-old can ask you. You can't just tell them the answer and that's the end of it. They have no perspective. They have no life experience. You could tell them the exact answer and they wouldn't know what you're talking about. They're going to have to grow and develop to even be able to have that conversation with you. If that's true with us, how much more true would it be with the ancient of days? (laughs) But the thing you don't do is act ignorant and go, well, I'm so brilliant and smart. That don't agree. I can tell you that don't agree. And so that must not be and that's not right. That's how you don't get light. The more proud a person is, the more off their doctrine's going to be. Let's say that again. The more proud a man or woman is, that's the more off their doctrine's going to be. Why? Because the only way you're going to get light and understand truth is by the grace of God. By him revealing it to you by his grace. And he only gives his grace to the humble. True? Humility. Part of it is going, I don't see that Lord. But I know it's right. If you say it's right, it's right. I'm going to humble myself in front of it. And just by faith say it's right. What about that? It's right too. They can't both be right. Well they are. They can't agree. It's obvious. Well, to that darkened mind, but to the enlightened mind, it makes perfect sense. Have any of you walked with the Lord long enough to some things you thought contradicted and you saw it and you went, well, of course. Yeah. That's certainly, there's no contradiction there. Perfectly agrees. Come on, somebody sit out loud in reverence and respect for the Lord. Say, Lord, I reverence your word. I reverence your wisdom. wisdom. You are right. right. No matter what men say. say. You are true. And you are righteous. righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, please. The 10th chapter. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 
And again, this was not written in chapter and verse. It's a letter. And, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to say that James is not for us, because it starts off talking about the 12 tribes, what are you going to do with this book? <laughs> Who is it addressed to? Hebrews. <laughs> no, this in the beginning days of the church, they didn't preach the gospel to anybody except Jewish people in the synagogues. They had to get a revelation to preach to the Gentiles. Now it seems like a lot of folks have switched all the way around. And they only preach to the Gentiles, won't preach to anybody else. But when did that change? In uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Hebrews 10, let me, uh, let me say this too. Beware of using non-scripture quotes in developing doctrine. Taking ancient commentaries or other writings and using them to establish truth. You have to watch after a while you begin acting like that's a fact when it didn't come from scripture, it came from that. If it didn't come from scripture, don't treat it like it's truth. It might be right, it might not. You don't know. It's not scripture. Your doctrine, what you believe about something, should be based on the scriptures. Right? Beware. There's a lot of writings around nowadays that are so-called Christian fiction. You got to watch out about that, though, because after reading it for hours, you can forget the fiction part. And start assuming, well, yeah, that's how it is, and that's how it'll be, says where. Where is it in the Bible? Where is it? These things are subtle. And a lot of times people are good people, and they mean well, but they get away from the Scriptures. It can happen to, to you, me, if we let ourselves get lax. And start talking more about my vision, or about my experience, or, or whatever. Where is that at in the Scriptures? Some things are just for you personally. Don't even need to tell it. Other things, if it is something to be shared, you start with the scriptures, not with your experience. What do you think? Hebrews 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. When are you going to receive the promise? After you've what? Done the will of God. Now this is a, an action of faith. He said for a, yet a little while. Actually the, the Greek literal says a very, very little while. <laughs> he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Like we talked about last night, people said, well, it's been 2,000 years since all this was talked about. Two days. God time. Right? Right. (laughs) Two days. 
So if it was going to happen in three days, we're close. I'll be long gone. Well, that could be. But it's still close. Very, very close. And it could be closer than we know. A little while and he that will come shall come, will come and will not tarry. The just to live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we're not of them that draw back unto perdition or destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. It takes faith to overcome fear and step out. And because of pressure, persecution, circumstances, time passing, there's a temptation to grow weary in well-doing and to get tired and to back off and to quit and to sit down and to lay down and wait. But the Bible said the Lord's not pleased with that. He's not pleased with that. Them that draw back. Are we going to draw back? Are we going to back off? Are we going to slow down? The Lord wants us not to be cold, not to be lukewarm. Be hot. What's hot? Fervent in the spirit. Pedal to the metal. What do you think? I'm convinced if we really knew how little time we have left. I'm talking about just in our life. If the Lord tears is coming beyond our generation, our time down here is so brief. Whatever we're going to do, we need to be doing it. We need to be doing it full bore right now. No delay. I think far too many people, Christian people, good people, I think far too many people every day somewhere on this planet realize I'm breathing my last. I'm leaving here. I meant to do this. I was going to do that. I, was, I thought I was supposed to do this. And thought they had 20 years to do it and wasted 10 years. You understand what I'm talking about? I think this happens every day. And the Lord's merciful, but uh, some things are not getting done. And, and other people have to come and pick up the, the slack and do their job and that too. Some things are delayed because of uh, procrastination. How many understand that the, the Israelites going into uh, the promised land was delayed for four decades? Not because it was the plan of God. He said the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He wanted them to go in the, the, the very time he took them out of Egypt. But because of their unbelief and their laying back and pulling back and doubting and arguing and fussing, it was delayed. The plan of God was delayed 40 years. Now, some people would argue with that, but there are scriptures that say otherwise. God doesn't change, but he's not going to make people do things. Now, his plan is going to get done. If not with you, somebody else. <laughs> but it's going to get done. But I don't want uh, somebody to, to take my place. I, I don't want the rocks to cry out. I want to do my own praising. Do my own ministering. Right? Accomplish what I'm supposed to be down here accomplishing. Come on, sit out loud. We are not. Of them that draw back. Pull back. We believe. Believe means, like we were talking last week, like the Israelites at the Red Sea, the Lord said, move. Move forward like the priests that went across the Jordan. When their feet stepped in, they had to move. There come a point where it's time to quit praying, quit talking about it, quit counseling, quit asking questions, and get yourself in gear. Right. 
And it's only when somebody moves in faith that the power of God manifests. And if we want more manifestation of the power of God, we've got to have more moving in faith. Somebody say more moving. The 11th chapter, the great faith chapter, talks about some of the greatest examples of faith that there's ever been. And how many, which, which one of these verses, how many of these verses do we see them waiting until it fell on them? <laughs> Where is the Kumbaya verse? <laughs> Where they just sang, don't forget me, Jesus, until something amazing happened. Where's the verse? What do we see? They did something. Abel gave, offered the sacrifice. Enoch walked with God. Noah uh, prepared an ark. He worked for years and years and years. Why did he do it? Because he believed. You You don't question his faith. His actions show what he believed. If he didn't believe it, he wouldn't have done it. And notice in verse 8. By faith Abraham... When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he went. What did he do? How did we know that he had faith? He, he went out or you could say uh, this word, he obeyed. He obeyed. Somebody say he obeyed. There's a... a a phrase in the scripture that maybe hasn't been talked about as much when you talk about faith. But I want to read you a few verses for us to become more familiar. In uh, Acts 6, you don't have to turn there, but Acts 6 and 7, it says the word of God increased, the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were what? Obedient to what? To the faith. Romans 1.5. Romans 1.5 says, By whom we've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Obedience to the faith. The Bible talks about obeying the gospel in 1 Peter, also in Romans People who have obeyed the gospel. You know, uh, the picture is shown and the illustration given sometimes of trust concerning uh, little ones, a child jumping off the diving board into the uh, waiting arms of mom or dad below in the pool. And uh, it is a perfect picture of trust. If you can't convince the child to jump, what does that mean? <laughs> why, why would you jump when you, you have fear of the height? Uh, maybe you're not that good a swimmer. You're young. You're inexperienced. Those things are real. The fears, the apprehension, the lack of knowledge, the concern. It takes something strong to overcome that, doesn't it? It takes 
something stronger than fear? Is there something stronger than fear? There is. Faith in God is stronger than fear of anything, including the fear of death itself. And the freest people on the planet are those who do not fear death. When you're not afraid to die, you're ready to live. You're free. Hallelujah. But when you're afraid of death, and and when we say afraid of death, there's all kind of connected fears. Fear of death is actually fear of irrecoverable loss. It's what it is. It's fear of loss. People that don't believe think, well, they're dead. They're gone. We lost them. But people who know the truth, right, know that for the believer to depart and be with Christ is far better than being here. We didn't lose them. They just relocated. There is no permanent irrecoverable loss here. But the reason people grieve the way they do is because to them, I have lost them forever because to them, all that exists is this life down here. And if that's what you believe, you cannot be free. Even though you push it to the back of your mind and you have some good times here and there, you've got that that dread all the time of I'm, you're going to lose this, you're going to lose that, you're going to lose them, I'm going to lose this. Eventually, I'm going to lose it all. And loss that cannot be recovered. But the truth is, the believer, the second death, has no power over him. You don't even lose your body. You come back later and pick it up. Once it's glorified, is that right? You don't lose anything. Anything you'd want to keep. Anybody want to keep mortality and corruption and aging and weakness? I say, good riddance. I don't want it. Don't want to keep it. But everything that's of value, I will keep forever. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to lose it. If you believe that, it helps you to overcome the fear and you will obey. I said, you will obey. The miracles we see in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they came through obedience to a faith command. Didn't they? What did he say? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And they what? They, They obeyed. They obeyed the faith command. Stretch forth your hand. Yeah, but Stretch forth the hand. The hand was what was withered. You can't stretch it forth. But by faith, they endeavored to obey the command as it was given. We talked about uh, the man that was born crippled from his mother's womb in, in Acts 14. And Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. And yet he's sitting there not healed. Can you have faith to be healed and not be healed? Obviously so. Until... Paul cried out with a loud voice. Stand up on your feet. That's a command. It's a faith command. It's very similar to saying, 
Jump. Jump from the diving board. Jump off. Jump off. Why don't people jump? Fear. 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 And any one of these. What if the man that Paul said to. Stand up right on your feet. What if he said. I can't. I can't. There had been no manifestation of power. What if any of these people would have told Jesus. I can't. I can't get up. They hauled me in here. I can't do that. Go to the pool and, and wash in the pool. I can't. I can't even find the pool. <laughs> but you understand, I can't see. What if they had said, I can't, I can't. Fear says, I can't. Every step that Phyllis and I have taken in the ministry, where we saw miracles, provisional miracles, ministry miracles, we had to overcome our fear every time. We're looking at some things right now for the next stages. And you, there comes a point where you've got to say, here we go. He said jump. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the, yeah, but the, yeah, but the, yeah, but the. You got to forget about the yeah, but. Forget about it. I know the first, the, the, the church there in Branson that uh, Phyllis and I went, you, you maybe heard, heard me talk about it, but we, we, we saw that building and and uh, we had a witness that we were supposed to believe to get it. It seemed impossible. They want millions of dollars. We don't have half a million. And that's after I sold stuff. <laughs> so we sold our hangar. You know we're serious about serving God, don't you? Yes, These things are hard to get. We had believed to get it for years. And we, we finally got one. And I, we knew what the Lord was telling us to do. So we took the money we had. We sold that. We liquidated it. And it didn't make a dent in a down payment. I, I, several nights I had the calculator out thinking, well, if we do this and we do that and we do this and we do that. And you get to thinking about it and this dread would come. And you think, man, that ain't going to work. I mean, even if you could, you're going to have all these bills and you're going to have this and you're going to have that. And you don't know if three people are going to come. You don't know anybody here and there's no guarantee that anybody. And the three that do come, uh, they may not give anything either. <laughs> and if they did, that wouldn't be enough to, to pay the light bill. And after a few nights of that, I took the calculator and I threw it in the drawer. And I shut the drawer. I said, I can't figure it. I can't figure out how to make it work. I don't know how. What do you do? Some folks were concerned about it. Brother Keith. You got a good traveling ministry? You got all these invitations? What do you need with that big old building for? You're not a pastor? <laughs> Finally, I told one of them. I said, look, I'm a man. Phyllis and I can miss it. We could miss it. But I would rather fall flat on my face. Amen. Endeavoring to obey God. Amen. Come on, are you listening? Yeah. Endeavoring to trust Him. Yeah. Than to be too scared to move to just sit and be too scared to trust him and do anything. 
And we'd have never found out about the miracles that happened and all the people that came and uh, the financial miracles. Come on, do you understand what I'm talking about? We'd have never seen any of that if we hadn't have overcome our fear enough to step out. People are so concerned. What will somebody say? What will somebody think? If you knew what they're saying now, (laughs) you'd probably get over it because... And the question is, who are they? And what do they know? And what does it matter? What they say. (laughs) My father in the faith, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr., who's in heaven now, he said back in, uh, this was in the 50s, he had a vision. And the Lord talked to him about laying hands on people. And about a special anointing. And about some things that were different. And he didn't always tell this part of it. Sometimes he talked about it a little bit. Most of the time not too much detail. But he, uh, when this happened, he has a vision. He sees the Lord. And the Lord's telling him he wants him to go lay hands on people to be filled with the Spirit. And with a tangible anointing. He said he felt it in his hands like a coal of fire was burning. And you know what he did? He pled with him to give it to somebody else. You might say, take it, I give it to me, I'll take it. That might be one reason you don't have it. That's right. Not to say everything he was saying was right, but why do people seek things? Sometimes people are looking for something other than what God is wanting to do. It's not just about experiencing power or feeling something or having an amazing experience. This is a responsibility of a ministry. To carry out for the next rest of your life actually. These decades. And he knew enough about it to know. He said Lord. People that have things like this are ridiculed. They are mocked. The church at large does not accept it. You're going to stand up and say. I got the power of God burning in my hands right now. You lost about 85% of the organized church. Right there. And he said, Lord, I I don't want to be seen. I'll, let me stay back in the back and pray for somebody else. He pled with the Lord. And the Lord said to him, he said, are you going to stand before men or me? Are you going to answer to men or to me? He said, well, Lord, to you. And the Lord corrected him. Is it true with all of us? Are we going to stand before men? Is it going to matter in that day what somebody said about you or me? Nobody will even remember any of that little stuff. The only thing that will matter is when the Lord told us to do something, did we obey? Did we overcome our fears, our dreads, and have enough trust in him? That we obeyed. It takes faith. To overcome fear. All of us have to deal with it. Everybody. Has fears. That come. And you have to. You know the the little boy. The little girl. They're standing up on the high dive. And daddy's saying jump. I'll catch you jump. Do they have fears? They have fears. 
What would overcome the fear? You have to stop analyzing. You have to stop thinking about how high it is. You have to stop thinking about, I don't know how good a swimmer I am. What if I get water up my nose? What if I land wrong and it hurts? It's so high, it's so high, it's so high. You think about that, you'll not jump. At some point, you have to switch channels. Forget about the swimming, the water, the height, and look at daddy. Look at daddy. Can you trust him? Did he tell you he's going to catch you? Can you trust? Look at him. Is he really going to do it? And there comes a point where when you go, yep, then jump quick. (laughs) Jump quick. (laughs) Before you have to deal with all the stuff again. (laughs) Phyllis and I jumped when it came time to go to Ramah. Back in the late 70s, we, uh, the Lord got some word to us and got our faith built up. We didn't know. We thought it took all the faith we had to travel from Mississippi to Tulsa, Oklahoma and, have, and go attend the meeting. That's, we thought we were doing something because we believed God and got the money. And actually, somebody loaned us a car. Our car wasn't good enough to make it out there. Buddy. And uh, we got lost almost every night. But we, we went and we got there early and we stayed all day. And the Lord dealt with, we thought that was it. We thought this was our great faith exploit, was going to the meeting. But the Lord always says so much more. They're giving tours of the school at Ramah. And, and the Lord dealt with Phyllis and myself. It was free. Just get on the bus and they drive you out there. And um, free appeal to us at that time. <laughs> we were eating nachos in the convention center and trying to find our way back to the room. But it's just ecstatic. I mean, when at one point, one night, I think it was like 9,000 people stood up there and it seemed like all of them were praying in tongues. I'd never seen such a thing. I didn't know there was that many people spoke in tongues in the whole wide world. I thought, look at this. And what was happening is God's beginning to open me up to realize I'm big. I've got a lot of people. I've got some things going on in the earth I want you to know about. I want you to be a part of it. I thought we're coming to a meeting and go back home. We took the tour bus out to the Raymond campus. They walked us through the buildings and we walked through Student Development Center number two, second floor. And Spirit of God was there and he was dealing with us to come and it just seemed like, what? Us? Come here? To do this? You felt like you are up on the high dive. <laughs> we got back. Phyllis said, did you ever feel like you were supposed to do something and you didn't really want to do it? I played dumb and said, what? <laughs> like, like what? She said, it stinks here. Downtown was by the oil refinery. And it was in the middle of summer. And it was so hot and it stunk. And that was most of what we knew about Tulsa. (laughs) And all the way back home. We talked about it. We looked at it. 
I didn't realize that for those previous three or so years, we had been feeding on faith from Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen and Brother Savelle, Charles Caps, and different ones. We didn't know what God was doing, but he was feeding our spirit, building us up so that when he had us on the high dive in a few years and said, jump, we'd have enough in us to overcome our fear. Where are we going to live? How are we going to live? Where's the money going to come from? I mean, a thousand questions. And we had to do like Abraham. Go out. Not knowing the answers to all those questions. And we didn't realize it, but that was just the beginning. We thought going to the meeting was, was it. That's the great faith adventure. No, you're going to go to school. We thought we'll go to school for a year and then go back home. No, then you're going to serve God for 20 years. There. And get trained. And then we thought, well, praise God, we'll step out. We'll have our own offices and we'll, we'll have this and that. And, uh, you need a church. And another church. And a word production facility. And, come on, are you with me? And, 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 and how many understand? We're not done with our faith adventure. And it is ordained of God that you and, and I and Phyllis and all of us here and, and, and online have gotten to know each other. There are many wonderful people of God and ministers and ministries of God all over the earth. The Lord could have sent us to minister to people on another continent instead of to you. He could have sent you to be a part of ministries or churches, thousands of them. But it was ordained of God. That you and I be joined together for this great faith adventure. Hallelujah. To get enough faith in us that we would join hands together and leap off the high dive together. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because we are absolutely fully persuaded that he will catch us. And keep us and provide and prosper and promote. Hallelujah. And fulfill this ministry that he's called us to do. But even though we're called, even though God's faithful, nothing happens until we go. (laughs) You can actually postpone. The plan of God, the provision of God, the power, the miracles being manifested by hanging around up there, pacing back and forth. You can hang around up there for years, talking about it, trying to get people to pray with you, figure it out. Now, exactly how many feet do you think it is? (laughs) What trajectory should I? (laughs) Are you sure? Do you know? The more you talk about it and the more you reason, the worse it gets. When the Lord said, stretch forth your hand. You need time to think about diagnosis, prognosis, Latin names. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Do it now. Just do it now. And when he did, power of God manifested. Hallelujah. Abraham went out. And God set in motion a whole life of faith adventure that would lead him through miracle after miracle to on top of a mount where he had enough faith 
that he would offer his only son, believing God would raise him from the dead. He didn't have that kind of faith when he left the house, not knowing where he was going. But over the years, God got him there. God's going to let us do some things. Us, me and you. Us. Us. He's going to show us something. He's going to say, do that. And you talk about high dive. It's going to be higher dive than we ever climbed up to God. It's going to be high altitude. But we will have the honor of trusting him and believing him. We've already seen great things. He's going to show us much more. Greater things than these shall we see. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Oh, just close your eyes. Focus on Him. Oh, hallelujah. Lift up your voice. Begin to praise Him. Ma sakela. Osh day. Jena shale. Antikesto. Sarah Freite Palazgo. Hallelujah. I heard these words. Heard these words in my spirit. Be willing. Be willing. It begins in the heart. And with the willing heart. And the willingness to believe. And the willingness to step out. And the willingness to obey. Opens the doors. That the grace can flow in. Hallelujah. Strength into your heart. Strength in the inner man. Quickening and power in the soul and the mind. Fear not. Fear not. If you'll step out, you'll look back and go, oh, why did I hesitate? Why did I hesitate? What was that to fear compared to the mighty God who told me to step out? Fear not, don't be afraid, but step out and be bold and be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.